Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. If you are new, my name is Derek, uh, and I am so glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, Riley kicked off a brand new sermon series last uh, Sunday called Summer in the Psalms. Uh, talking about this book in the Bible known as the book of Psalms. There's 150 different Psalms in there. And uh, before I even jump into, do we have any music fans in the room? Five of you. Awesome. Perfect. Everyone else drives around in silence. Great. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, No, here's the deal. I'm going to be the first to say I enjoy music. Now, I don't partake in music, namely singing or dancing. And when I say I don't take or I don't partake, it means I shouldn't, okay? I shouldn't dance. I shouldn't sing because it's ugly no matter which way you cut it. But the reality is that music is powerful, okay? Music is becoming a dignified, incredible method of learning. Uh, For some alternative learning methods in the schools, they will actually use lyrics and songs and music to help communicate information because it helps retain information all those good things. Also, music also communicates emotion. If you don't believe me, watch one of those sad dog commercials. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where Sarah McLaughlin comes up and sings the most heartbreaking song in the world. It's called Angel, by the way. Heartbreaking. Sad. Like, I can be literally having the best day of my life, and that commercial comes on, I'm like, I'm in a bad mood now, right? It's terrible. In the same way, can you imagine, it's 1984, right? You just went over to your boyfriend or girlfriend's house, and they ripped your heart out of your chest, right? Ripped it out, snapped it in half, stomped it into the ground, and you go out to your Toyota Celica. Anybody have one of those? I got some laughs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of us had, or at least familiar with the Toyota Celica. Imagine you just had your heart ripped out of your chest. You're, you're in a down, bad mood. You jump into your Celica, put the keys in the ignition, and the cha-cha slide comes on, right? Everybody clap your hands. Right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you jump into your your car and that is just like, how did we get here? Okay? Don't believe me all the time or even more than that. The vet needs to start playing the Titanic theme song in their office all the time. It doesn't matter how many times I go in there, I always walk out crying. Either because the dog next door just got put down or I just lost all of my salary trying to get my dog squared away. They need the Titanic theme song because it's sad all of the time. Music moves us. Music changes us in a really, really big way. Uh, And so what's so cool is the Bible truly was ahead of its time in the sense of these psalms, as we're going to read, really are songs. The word psalm comes from the Greek word psalmos, which quite literally means to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. These are Hebrew poems that are meant to be sung. Therefore, they are basically songs. And what's so cool about this book, what's so cool about the Psalms, is all of these Psalms have kind of a different mood. It's kind of like the same mood you have when you're listening to play music. When you're on your way to the lake, you're listening to a different playlist than you are when you're coming back from a funeral, or vice versa, right? Music communicates emotion, and the book of Psalms is all about these different emotions that life brings us. And what's really cool about the Psalms is it's actually just a lot of intricacy to it. Now, I'm just as bad at poetry as I am at singing and dancing, 
so I can't appreciate this as much, but the, the intricacies of these psalms are so important that sometimes you miss them. So full disclosure, if you come to me and you're like, hey, Derek, I really want to get into the Bible. I'm really new to this whole thing. Where, where should I start? I'll recommend one of two things. First of all, I'll probably recommend that you start in the book of Matthew. It's in the New Testament. It's all about the story of Jesus. It's really good. But the second book I'll recommend is the book of Psalms because the Psalms are short and they communicate a lot of real-life emotion. They just are oozing with happiness and joy and sadness and frustration and worry. Every single human emotion we can think of is in the Psalms. But the one I want to focus on today isn't inherently sad or happy or sad, whatever it is. It's more of a challenge, more of an instruction, if you will. And so I'm going to have it on the back behind me. Uh, some of the words might be a little bit different because this is an older Bible, and I pulled uh, the text from a newer version of this Bible, so it'll be close enough. But just follow along with me through Psalm chapter 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Hang with me. We're almost there. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oak, strips the forest bare, and in all of his temple all cry glory. And here we go. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. There are two kinds of people in this world. First people I would consider the heaters. And before you think of like the sandlot or like a baseball heater, I'm saying heater, H-E-E-D-E-R-S. Heaters in the room. You're on your couch and you see a storm rolling in. You go to your weather app or your weather channel, whichever one you prefer, and you see there's a massive, severe thunderstorm coming with funnel clouds, baseball-sized hail, all the good stuff, right? And so the heaters in the room, you are the ones who grab the kids, grab the snacks, grab the app, grab the radio, go downstairs, go into the bathtub, get safe, do everything else. And then there's everybody else. And you're the people who you see a severe thunderstorm coming, you're like, sweet, right? Like you, you, you pull the garage up. You pull out a lawn chair. You're like, oh, baby, here it comes, right? This is going to be awesome. You literally see your truck getting destroyed by the hail. You see the funnel clouds in the distance, and you're like, check this out, right? This is awesome. David is definitely the latter. Where we pick up this psalm is he just watched a huge thunderstorm come through, like with all the goodies, thunder, lightning, rain, torrential deluge, all those things just came through. And after this whole storm takes place, David is kind of having this revelation of where he's going, wow, God is powerful. He's really, really powerful. And I feel really, really small relative to how great and big and awesome God is. And so I'm going to break this down because there's a lot that gets missed at face value. A lot I didn't even know 
So I started studying it this week. But the first part, the reason I picked this psalm after this chunk is because something's kind of lurched out at me. And, and you'll see in the beginning of Psalm chapter 29, he says one word three times in a very short amount of time. Ascribe to the Lord, Almighty Ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Whenever you see repetition in the Bible, it's basically the writer's way of like underlining something big time. Okay? Like ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Now, I don't read very much. Okay? I read this book, and that's kind of about it. Uh, In contrast, my wife can read a 400-page book in a day. I'd rather watch the whole Avengers series with a bowl of popcorn in 10 hours, right? It would just differences. But so I, I was familiar with this word ascribe, but I want to actually kind of know what it meant. And ascribe means to attribute, assign, or accredit something. Now, when I read that, I read ascribe to the Lord. We need to give God like recognition that he's powerful. We have to do that, but it's a little different than that because here's the thing. If we were to pack up our church right after today, we go out and have a nice lunch, and then we're going to just go to a little field trip to Como Zoo in St. Paul. Free. It's awesome. You go to Como Zoo, you'll walk in, you'll see a nice little duck pond there with a bunch of birds. You'll see uh, some, like, orangutans and some big monkeys over here. You can almost, like, reach out and touch. All those good things. You can get up close and personal with everything else other than the things in the back right corner, which are the tigers, and the lions. You want to go see them, you're going to be on a platform 40 feet off the ground with prison-level fences in front of you to make sure no one can get a little ambitious and jump over the fence. Why? Because if someone hops the fence, you're going to get your face mauled off, right? Lions and tigers, they're powerful. They're majestic. I don't have to go up to the face of a lion and tell it, hey, you're kind of insanely powerful for him to acknowledge that, okay? It's in his nature to just be powerful. When David is saying, ascribe to the Lord glory, ascribe to the Lord majestic power, he's basically saying, remember that he's powerful. You don't have to tell God he's powerful for him to be powerful. He just is. It's part of his character. It's part of who is. And so when David's saying, ascribe to the Lord over and over and over again, he's giving us this idea that people have forgotten. They forgot that he's insanely and incredibly powerful. And I think that's so timely for us because if I could just kind of paint some broad brushstrokes, it's not every church, this is not the, this church even inherently, but I think a lot of times in the church world in America, in 2023, there's a lot of other qualities of God that we focus on, and rightfully so. We focus on how God is so loving, and God loves us so deeply, so profoundly. No matter what you're going through, God loves you, and he does. Or we look at how God is so merciful and compassionate, and it doesn't matter what you do, how bad, how many times, God is going to forgive you, and he will. But a lot of times, we don't talk about how powerful he is because we're scared of being over-domineering or oppressive because growing up, if you grew up in a traditional sense, a lot of times that's all they focused on. Better shape up or else the all-powerful God is going to strike you down, right? 
But in essence, we've lost how powerful God is. We've forgotten how to respond and live in such a way knowing that God is powerful. And he does it very intentionally in this psalm. In verse 3, it begins, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. What David's about to do is he's about to kick all of the very strong and powerful things in this day and age and show how God's bigger than them. I want to show you this. Verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. Over the waters. In this day and age, east of the Mediterranean, there was a god named Yam. Like the things you eat on Thanksgiving. Yam. Y-A-M. This god of Yam was over any body of water. So if you wanted to have safe travel across the Mediterranean, you would have to go and pray to Yam or sacrifice to Yam to get him on your good side so you could pass on through. So when David's saying the voice of the Lord, our God, Yahweh, is over the waters, he's saying he's bigger than that phony over there. That's in verse 3. Voice four, or verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Okay. Just this is the 4th of July, just a little bit ago, right? If you, just saw, if you saw a... Uh, eagle fly over your boat on the 4th of July. What's the first word that you think of? Majestic. Thank you. First service said America. I was like, there's that too, right? But majestic, right? Uh, let me re- rephrase. They said America. There was no A in there. It was America that came out. But when I see an eagle, that's the first thing I think of. Is like That is a majestic bird. That is a majestic being. In this day and age, when you would see a cedar tree, particularly the cedars of Lebanon, you would think of the same kind of thing, but it would be spring. The cedars of Lebanon were like a symbol of strong, powerful. These were trees that were like 130 feet tall by 30 feet feet around. These were really, really big trees. And so when God's saying the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, you have these trees that are the stereotypical vision of strength. They're the symbol. So much so that any big building, any big uh, house, it was all. if it was really fancy, it would be wood built from the cedars of Lebanon. And relative to that kind of strength, where's God's power at? Let's see here. Verse 5, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. If I could just kind of make this equivalent, he's saying, you think, like, a cedar tree is strong, everybody. Let me show you my wood chipper. You know, like God is that much more powerful than even a strong tree. Leban- in verse 6, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf, this big oppressive nation and army that was really strong. God can make them just skip out of town. He can rule over them like nobody's business. Syrian, which is Mount Hermon, like a young wild axe, same thing. This strong, powerful thing. God can make it just get out of the way. And then my personal favorite in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of I don't understand why they mentioned this particular name of the desert when I first read it, but it intrigued me. So I found out that Kadesh, the desert of Kadesh, is the desert that the Israelites wandered in for 40 years prior to going into the promised land. Basically, David's saying the voice of the Lord is big enough to take the worst, most stagnant, 
faith in a stagnant state, shake it up and make it right. God, is, or David, in this psalm, he's taking every single conceivable source of strength that anyone in this day and age could have thought of, and he's showing how God is more powerful than that. If I were to bring it into this day and age, let me show you how this would work. The voice of the Lord is bigger and stronger than the stronghold of depression and anxiety. The voice of the Lord is bigger than the stack of bills on your kitchen table that are pulling you down in debt, oppressing you over and over again. God is more powerful than that. The voice of the Lord can take this crippling, awful, terrible, just life-sucking addiction and break it in half and bring new life and bring new thing. The voice of the Lord is big enough to take this relationship that's on the rocks, that's in fragments, and take it and put it back together. The voice of the Lord can take this medical diagnosis, this thing where the doctor is saying it's going to take a miracle, it's going to be impossible. God can do infinitely more than we ask or imagine. And we take these big things that seem like these mountains that we couldn't possibly get over. And David's saying, remember, ascribe that God is bigger. Bigger. And here's what happens, I think, so many times in our life. We rationalize away God's power. It looks something like this. I know God can do that, but I don't think he will. Yeah, I, I, I know, I, I heard that, that over last week, yeah, that, that their marriage was, was on the rocks, but all of a sudden now it's better. I know God can do it, but I just, I don't think it's going to happen for me. We rationalize away the power of God. We forget, we forget to ascribe the power to him because we're scared it's not going to work. We're scared it's not going to work. And what I've learned is I don't always understand what God does and why he does it. Because I can be real and honest. There have been times we've been praying for something. Someone was really sick, really ailing. And we prayed. It worked. You can sit there and you go, did God not answer that prayer? Is God not possible of doing that anymore? But we look back. And years later, you see that was incredibly sad that, that that sickness overtook them. Oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Still shatters us. But to see what God did with even that broken condition, something we could never even thought of beyond a man. Ascribe to the Lord the power to his name. We forget that God is big and God is powerful. And it can make us just respond accordingly. Make us just really just struggle in our faith. And what happens is after a while, forgetting who God is and forgetting how big and awesome and powerful he is, we start to live as if we're never going to have that victory. We start living in this perpetual state of like, oh, we're never going to amount to this. We're never going to accomplish this. It's never going to work until it does. Finally, things go well. But here's where I think the rubber meets the road. In verse 10 and 11, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people 
So many times the disconnect for us is knowing God is powerful, but also acknowledging that he's powerful in our lives. Acknowledging, yeah, that God is doing some really cool stuff, but maybe not for me. I love looking at this psalm because everything's in present tense. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. And in response, David worships and thanks God because he knows that same power is coming back. One of the best parts about being a dad is just blowing your kids' minds all the time. It's super awesome. I was uh, last summer. I was teaching Ellis how to play t-ball. I can't sing or dance, but I can. I can hit a ball. Okay, I got that covered. So I was teaching Ellis how to hit a t-ball. And if you know, if you have young kids, you know, no matter where you are, you're not safe. If you're teaching your kids how to swing a baseball on a bat, Ellis was sitting right here. The t was right here. He was hitting the ball that way. I thought, I was back here. At one point, I got a bat to the shins because he missed the ball on the follow-through, let go of the bat, and smoked me in the leg. At another point, he hit the ball backwards. Still don't know how that happened. But I'm trying to teach him how to, how to hit. I'm trying to teach him how to get this to work, and he's not hitting it because he's not, he doesn't have the form right or whatever, but he can't quite do it. So then, like just me being dad, right? Like I'm just like, this is driving me nuts. I need to see this ball just my neighbor's yard, right? So sure enough, but can I see it? Yeah, sure. I have to get on my knees, and I smoke the thing, right? Like just over the house, into the neighborhoods, and I'm going to just give you a recollection of what Ellis did. Whoa! Do that again, Dad! Right? Like he, his mind was blown. Like he, like he thought I was Superman. And so sure enough, I uh, put it on the tee again, smoked it into my front window, and I saw Meg come out and go, it was a whole thing, right? It was awesome. It was a whole thing. But I realized in that moment that for, for Ellis, what he had thought of was possible, what he had thought of for power was now just completely just blown apart. He thought he was trying to just do this one thing and hit the ball until I came up, and all of a sudden, this whole thing took on a whole other light for him. When I look at this song, everybody, just to be really real, just to be really practical, the reason that I want to pull this psalm out for us is because I think so many of us have forgotten that God is powerful. And if you haven't forgotten that, you've forgotten that he's actually for you. And he wants to move on your behalf. He wants to move in your life. He wants to take the strongholds and the mountains and the things in your life that seem like impossible, insurmountable things, and he wants to oppress them and break them in half. So you can have more intimacy with him. You can have more connection with him. And you can live the life that you're called to live. Here's the honest to goodness truth. If you are in this room today and you believe in Jesus, you believe in God, you believe in what he's done for you, you are light. You carry the light of the world inside of you. And this book tells us that where we're supposed to go is into the places of darkness. We're called not to have this light and have this great connection with God and keep it to ourselves. We're called to do something with it. We're called to go and love those that are hard to love. We're called to go and serve those that don't deserve it, those that make it so difficult to serve. We're called to do it anyway. We're called 
to share our faith with those, not by just shoving it down their throat, but by living a life of example and sharing truth with them and sharing example with them. We are called to take this light into the darkness. And I don't know if you guys have done that recently or if you've done it, but that's tough to do. It's tough to be surrounded by darkness when you are a light. But it shines pretty bright, doesn't it? When you're in the darkness and you're shining, it shines really bright. And who doesn't like light shining in darkness is the enemy. And so he's going to throw everything he's got at you to try and wash that light inside of you. And if we're not in the right mindset, we're going to forget to ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, the majestic, powerful nature that he is. We're going to forget. We're not going to live necessarily in the way that we're called to live. This morning, my message for you is quite simple. It's more of a question, really. It's, what's the most powerful thing in your life? I think the knee-jerk reaction, being that we're in church, is God. God's the most powerful thing in my life. Can I tell you something? The most powerful thing in your life is the thing you will give the most attention to, the most credit to, and the most devotion to. And this week, God has just been telling me there's a lot of powerful things in my life that aren't him. One of them is being worried. Worry's really powerful in my life. To the point where if I find a solution to one of my problems to worry about, I'll find something else to worry about. Anybody else like that in here, right? Powerful is worry. Worry is powerful. Stress is powerful. Do you know how many times stress the life God's called you to live? Stress of the unknown. Stress of the uncertain. Stress of the what if. How many times does the what if of the worst case scenario keep us from stepping into something that probably was never going to happen in the first place? It's because stress and the fear of it kept us from stepping into it. Oppression is a powerful force. Words are powerful forces. I know of some people who are just fantastic, awesome, bona fide, great people, but they live with their head down because somebody said something to them years ago that wrecked them, and they will forever think that that's how they just ought to live forever. Powerful. Not in a good way. Addiction. Mental health. Worry. Death. Illness. There are powerful things in our life that are not God, that we need to ascribe to the Lord that he is bigger and stronger. I'm not saying they're small. I'm not saying you're going to walk out of this place and be stress-free. But what David is imploring us in this passage is to remember that even the strongest forces, even the craziest things, even the things that keep you up at night that you'll think you'll never, ever get over, you will if you trust in him and ascribe to him the glory to his name. Remember, 
put things into their proper perspective because yes, that diagnosis, that stage four leukemia, that Alzheimer's, that dementia, that's scary and that's powerful. That miscarriage, that, that, those marital problems, they're big. David is trying to show, and he's showing this in the last two verses. His Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord's enthroned as king forever. Here's my favorite part. The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. David plays all this monologue of how big and massive the God is. And he sticks it. And he says that power he gives to people. And not just strength to get through the day, but peace that he's got it all figured out. In this story of lightning and thunder and everything else that comes with it, I studied lightning. I've never prepped for wild riot. It takes them to all these rabbit trails. I found out a strike of lightning, one strike of lightning, flash in and out, carries up to 300 million volts. Now, if you're like me, you have no idea what that means. Sounds like a lot, but beyond that, no conceivable idea of how powerful that is. But 300 million volts of electricity would be enough to power your house with your air conditioner, your TV, your appliances, all of it, on top of 849,999 other houses. So just to recap, 300 million volts is enough to power 850,000 homes for one day in one flash of lightning. So naturally, my brain went to, why do we not use that as a renewable energy, right? We have solar, we have wind. That's a lot of, that's a lot of juice in a short amount of time, right? But I found out Lightning is so powerful and so direct. The amount of technology, the amount of equipment it takes to take all of that power and shrink it down into a usable form is too much. It's equivalent to trying to wash your eye contact lens with a fire hydrant. So much of the power and the water of the fire hydrant goes around the lens entirely. In the same way, if you tried to control lightning, so much would be burned off in heat and wasteful energy, it's not worth it. And so they said there's so much power, but they can't shrink it down. You know who can? David goes on. God, shake the desert. This full of this oppression and this stagnant pace. He shakes it up. Makes a mountain, makes it leap like a young ox thunders and he rumbles. He does all this massive, major stuff, but you can wire it into you individually so that you, yeah, you, you can break the, you can break the stronghold upon your life. You can live the life you're called to do. There's nothing that's not more powerful than God. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to take that power and give it to you to help you because he's for you. He's behind you. He's with you. And in the process of giving you strength, guess what? He also gives you peace. Are you kidding me? 
they'll help you. They'll also give you the peace of mind to know it's, it's covered. I know it's not easy just to let go of our problems, but this verse leaks off the page for me a week ago when I painted because we need to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. We need to remember He's got you. He's powerful enough. Here's the kicker. You're enough for Him. He's powerful enough. But you're enough for Him. Don't care what you've done. Don't care where you've been. Don't care how much you've doubted. God is for you, behind you, with you, and he is going to deliver you if you trust in him and believe in him and ascribe to him and say, God, I trust you, I believe in you. And so here's how you do that this week. Trust him. Trust him. Ask for help. I don't care if you're driving. I don't care if you're in the shower. I don't care if you're watering your lawn. God, help me with this. Trust him. Work it out. I want to do something new this morning. If you could stand up with me as we pray. I'm not going to call anybody up. I'm not going to do anything crazy. So I just kind of want to take that off your minds. If you could just close your eyes with me. Lord, Sometimes just standing up and getting out of bed is the toughest thing we can do. When it feels like the world's against us and the problem that continues to slap us in the face is waiting for us the moment we wake up. But today, God, I pray for the needs in this room that are unspoken. Waiting for the news, good or bad waiting for the deliverance in our finances, waiting for that estranged child that we have been desperately trying to get back with to come back. Problems, worries, stresses, heartaches. God, today we stand up as a simple way of saying, God, I'm not going to let the problem defeat me anymore. I believe in you, and I believe you're powerful enough to deliver me. So today, God, for those in this room, whatever the problem is that awaits for them, I pray this week, God, whether they experience it while they're worshiping, whether they experience it while they're praying, whether they experience it while they are reading your your word, whether they experience it while they're walking down the road and they remember the words that you've spoken today, God, I just pray that today we would walk out of this place no longer feeling defeated, but walking out knowing the victory has already been won through you, Jesus. So today, God, I pray that as an act of faith, as a symbol of the victory that you've given us today, God, I pray that we would stand up and we would walk out the door ready to share your love, share our testimony, share our story, and live the life that you have called us to live because you give us the strength to do it. You give us the peace that transcends all understanding, and you're going to help us live the life you called us to live. Jesus, we stand up today, not in our own power, but in the power that you've given us. 
Jesus. Mighty name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.